CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Blackshell Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 6th, as we record this podcast. We are still a good ways away um, from any sort of you know meaningful, um, real occurrences, I guess, on the field. Virginia obviously won't take... Uh, I won't open spring, uh, excuse me, fall camp until much later, um, but we're getting closer, and I'm okay with closer. Um, any whatever can get me uh, to real games, and um, folks can stop uh, getting mad at each other on the message board for no reason. We will have uh, obviously a lot of coverage from um, NBA Top 100 camp next week from Charlottesville, um, but I thought this week we, we'd actually fall into some football recruiting. This is not really a heavy time for that, but the Cavaliers are actually going to host a lot of official visitors coming up soon. Um, but they continue to have some struggles in state. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have my boy Matt, uh, Matt Hatfield, who is the publisher now at uh, VirginiaPreps.com. He also is the host of High School Sports Talk on 94.1 um, FM in, in Tidewater on Saturdays from 10 to 12. Matt is a huge resource for me whenever it comes to high school sports, always has been, especially down the 757. So I wanted to have Matt on the show to sort of talk a little bit about maybe some of the specifics of maybe some of the recruitments that Virginia's involved in as well as kind of the overall overarching sort of thing. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Brad? I can't complain, man. I appreciate you giving me a, a few minutes on, on this Wednesday afternoon. I know that uh, you're a busy man. It seems like every time I turn around, you're going and doing something. So I appreciate you taking some time for me. Um, hey, anytime. I, I kinda, let's start here. Uh, Mike Farrell had an interesting article, I guess, in the last 24 at 48 hours as folks listen to this on Thursday morning kind of mm-hmm. talking about the the way Penn State has come into the state of Virginia and really sort of wrecked house I mean if you're Virginia Virginia Tech um, you know Maryland used to get a lot of kids from Virginia and still does Carolina used to still to get a lot of kids from Virginia and sometimes still does um, man Penn State has cleaned up um, whether it's Ricky Slade or Devin Ford um, in, in this class Brandon Smith uh, they just got Hakeem Beeman um, from um, from Richmond. Overall, I don't necessarily want to focus specifically on Penn State. I want to look at just get your point of view as somebody who you know who covers the the high school kids more so than maybe the um, you know the colleges specifically. What would you say is sort of the um, the reason why um, some schools, or I guess the in-state schools, have had a problem keeping some of these kids sort of at home? What would you sort of attribute that to? Well, it's an interesting um, question, something that's been, I guess, bounced around for a while. I think more than anything, it's it's been a mixture of things. One, we've seen a lot of these ever since, I'd say, Virginia Tech had, you know, Frank Beamer leaving out and, you know, Mike London cleaned up with some of the four or five-star guys. You think of the likes of Andrew Brown and Taekwon Smoke, Mizell, and Quinn Bunding. There's been kind of a transition period for both UVA and Virginia Tech. Not all bad, some good, a little bit of mixture with that, but... Um, more than that, I think Ohio State and Florida State and now Penn State have capitalized in that time frame because we've seen guys from Virginia, especially in the Tidewater region, go on and excel at that college level and then hit it to the pros. Um, I think it even started before uh, Mike London's departure and Frank Beamer's retirement when you look back to going when Percy Harden was the number one player in the country out of Lansdowne High School in Virginia Beach, went on to Florida with Urban Meyer. Um, ended up winning a national championship there, ended up winning a Super Bowl at the Seattle Seahawks. And I think ever since then, it's opened up more eyes because every time you're out and about a lot of these camps, and I'm sure you've picked it up too, Brad, you hear kids say, I want to be that next Percy. And it's kind of morphed into different players where I've even heard some defensive backs even say, I want to be that next Cam Chancellor who really didn't have that 
major acclaim to him like Percy did when he was in high school when he went to Morey High in Norfolk. He sort of had to build it and earn it when he went from Tech and then was a late draft pick in the NFL with the Seahawks and made that mark and reputation. But so many kids, especially in this Tidewood area, want to be that guy they grew up watching and try to emulate on the fields. And I think Penn State, now I'm hearing it because I'm there's no real conclusive answer to why it's happening, but I think uh, one of our own reporters, Devin Payne, when he went to Devin Ford's announcement ceremony just a couple weeks ago, he, he asked him and he said, Saquon Barkley went to the New York Giants, number two. He was a Heisman guy. You know, that, that's what they want to be. So they see that, and now it's it's either cool or they have a teammate that's there. We've seen Ohio State do that with Urban Meyer. You know, they get Jalen Holmes, who's now with the Vikings, a draft pick this year in the fourth round. They had Wayne Davis, though he's transferring back home to GMU. You have those connections with your buddies or guys you know or a coach. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of hurt Tech and UVA in the sense of where they haven't been able to get that domino effect where they get four or five, six guys. UVA had it, but then they sort of lost it when the coaching change took place. Yeah, I think that's a really good sort of summation. I've always thought that um, in in remembering like the um, the sort of way that things sort of happen after um, Demetrius Nicholson picked UVA, that was really the first sort of domino, right, uh, that fell in Virginia's uh, direction and at the time in 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 the in the seven five seven, this is the general vibe uh, that I got, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt, because I know you also lived it too. But like the vibe I always got was that that down there, the idea was that they were going to give Mike London a chance, give UVA a chance, and it certainly you know between Trey and Smoke and Quinn and Drew. And 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 there've been more from from the seven five seven, but really for the for that little run there, they had these kids, and I think one of the things that really has hurt Virginia down there has been that the best players from that region essentially in these classes went to Virginia, and Virginia didn't win. And I think that it's hard, um, it's hard for not, and I'm not even talk about the kids specific. I'm talking about the people around the kids. It's hard for them, I, I think, to sort of to shift gears and say, okay, well, it didn't happen with, with a guy we knew it's so it, let's give another guy, another chance. Like it seems like to me that Virginia had a golden opportunity there. They weren't able to capitalize on it. And then ultimately the out of state schools at the same time have been making so many inroads. The connections were there that then now these kids don't have a problem going out of state and certainly doesn't seem like, you know, families have a problem with them going out of state. What, what would you sort of, um, how would you sort of grade me on that? Do, would you agree that, that, that they had a, they, that, that once that window closed, it was regardless of who came next and whatnot, it was just going to be really difficult because they just didn't have any success, any like significant consistent success as a program when those kids were actually in Charlottesville. I'd concur. I think that's pretty spot on, Brad. And the thing is, you know, to me, I think a lot of it boils down to, and this is really cut and dry and simple, the quarterback position. If the quarterback position hits to the level of it did when they had guys such as Matt Schaub and Sean Moore and, I mean, shoot, I'd even go to, you know, Jamil Sewell for that matter. If they hit at that spot, some of those records from 5-7 and seven and 4-8 and eight that they had – turn into seven and five and eight and four because there were a lot of close games that are winnable. You lived it, you saw it. So I think that's true. And then once those guys got a little bit older, they graduate and you mentioned a couple of the guys from Bayside that come to mind like Demetrius Nicholson and then Mizell and Blanding. And then you think of Andrew Brown, some of those guys, once they got older and through the program, they weren't so much people, you know, you'll hear us a lot of the negative recruiting of they were bust. No, they weren't because some of those guys are in the NFL now. They got drafted. They're not so much bust. It's just some of the other positions didn't hit or they didn't clean up as much, so they got the five and four, four stars, but they didn't get the depth 
be it for injuries. And I think if you look at last year's class, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I think of their, what, 28, 29 gets, about 24 of them were three stars. So they got more of those guys they can build in the trenches and out. And I think Mendenhall's strategy has been different than um, certainly Mike London's. And, and just like it would be in the case of, of Virginia Tech to, to a certain extent going from Frank Beamer to Justin Fuente. But I think that's, that's definitely the case. And Florida State and Ohio State and Penn State now, they've all capitalized. And when you're that guy who's in the top 50 in the country, I can't fault them for, for going that route given the success they've had as programs, the stability they've had, and the success of players they've put in the league. And the other thing I would say, too, is, look, I mean, if you're if you're a high school kid, like you mentioned just a few minutes ago, the idea that kids were, um, you know, that they want to go to places that have had success, you know, while they've been basically paying attention. Right. So like kids who who may have grown up in a world where, you know, Virginia football wasn't good. And to them, I mean for all intents and purposes, has never been good. I mean, that's kind of the way that they think about it, right? To them, Virginia Tech is constantly going to bowl games that maybe can't break into the upper echelon. They see these opportunities to go to, you know, bigger schools in terms of profile, bigger schools in terms of fan bases, bigger schools in terms of facilities. It really it kind of makes sense as to why some of these guys are going out of state. What I think is interesting is that, you know, let's, let's say 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it would not have been outlandish to see a top player just want to stay home. But I think because of there are a lot of factors now that make the world seem very small. Right. Um, whether it's, you know, being able to, um, you know, to 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 be on the to message with your family in a, you know, in a more meaningful way, you can you can have video chats and stuff like distance just doesn't feel as big. Um, and certainly in the, in the, in the old days, um, you know, you might've been a kid from Florida. You weren't going to go to school anywhere else, right? You're probably going to stay home. Um, now with facilities and, and, and different, the way that some of the programs have, you know, academic support and things around the program that sort of help it help, help a kid get through, um, in a, you know, in a, um, in a position to make the most, not only of the education they get, but also the, the training for the next level. It makes a lot of sense to me as to why maybe guys aren't so locally based. And I, and I, what's funny about it is, is that if you look around, it's not so much that any state is really on lock. I mean, you think about Florida, I mean, we would think that Florida, Florida state and Miami should be the, the ones that rule the roost, but Georgia gets a lot of kids from Florida, a lot of teams. I mean, heck Virginia's had a lot of success in Florida. Granted, these weren't the upper echelon, you know, five-star types, but they've definitely had a lot of success. I think that part of the problem too, that Virginia has right now. Um, and I, and I want to, I want to preface this part of the discussion with sort of a disclaimer, which is I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong or bad about some of the, the coaching uh, decisions or, or, or maybe the staff members, but it seems like because these guys, primarily in Virginia staff outside of Marcus Hagens and to some extent Ricky Brumfield, because a lot of those guys just don't have roots on this side of the country, it's been a harder sell combined, I think, with some of the, the program challenges that Virginia faces, the facilities being especially at the top of the list and the fan support, you know, the lack of attendance at games and sort of the, um, the sort of lack of like uh, of excitement around the program, that that's been a real, um, a real albatross around Virginia's neck is that a lot of these coaches, a lot of these kids, they don't know Bronco and his people. They're still trying to get to know them. But at the same time, a lot of these other schools have been in there and they've just been in there longer. How would you sort of frame that the way that that plays a role in sort of how um, how the seven five seven especially kids in the high school level coaches the high school level families how they view Bronco and his staff do you feel like even at this point there's still a, a real question mark an unknown in terms of the way that they view Virginia's new staff 
I think exactly what it is. I was just about to say it's a, it's sort of a mystery and unknown. It's not so much good or bad. They still haven't learned him or really gotten comfortable with him. Because remember now, Mike London was from Hampton. He went to Bethel High School. He was from the Tywood area. So he had those natural connections and roots to where he could recruit. They knew him from Richmond when he won championship there. And, you know, it was an easy transition from that point of view. Didn't have the success translate on the field, but this, you know, this Virginia area, especially in, in the Hampton Roads area, it's so military based. So I think that's something that people would realize is not everybody's from here. So that's also been an advantage for people coming outside of the Commonwealth to recruit. If you're the the Penn States, the Ohio States, the Floridas, the Florida States, and so on, SEC, Big Ten programs that want to get those top tier four star and even five star prospects and. It's funny, two things. I'll give you a quick little story, uh, Brad. We were at the uh, EYBL for Hampton. I know it was basketball, but, you know, a kid walked by, and Jermaine O'Neal, who was an NBA All-Star, was there. Didn't even know who he was, and his buddy was telling him, you don't know who that is? And when Tiki Barber came to Oscar Smith, when Andrew Brown got the Gatorade uh, Player of the Year nationally, everybody was like, wow, that's Tiki Barber, New York Giants. Now if Tiki was to walk in one of the all-time greats there for, from UVA. Not many people know him unless they know him from TV or his radio show. So I think it's it's a different right. now. Kids don't have so much as many of the connections of the big names that UVA did have. And they did have a great history where, you know, they knocked off a number one team. They were playing in bowl games consistently in that stretch there, even going back to, to George Welsh days. And I think with Bronco Mendenhall coming from BYU, there isn't that connection here with some of the high school coaches and even the families, the kids. And you know what? Maybe recruiting outside the 757 for the bulk of your roster may not be a bad thing in the sense of if you hit on some guys, you, you sprinkle in some JUCOs, and you get the right players from the talent base areas in Tidewater and Richmond, sprinkling out to Roanoke where they even got a kid um, from Blacksburg who was a special player but flew under the radar because of Cole Beck. It can still work if you supplement your roster the right way. And I think they're doing some things to go in the right direction, but there's still a lot of that. We're not sure who they are, trying to find out what their identity is as a program to see if they fit um, with them and some of these recruits. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and, and something I want to kind of expand on before we get to, to Cam Kelly and Ben Smiley specifically, because those are the two names um, I feel like I answer the most questions about with you, you made a good point there about you know sprinkling in guys who maybe aren't from the 757, right? And I think what Virginia's had to do, look, we, we know that the closer you get to home, the more e the easier it is to see the warts, right? So like kids who grew up in Richmond, kids who grew up in Tidewater, kids who grew up in you know Arlington, they have a different view of Virginia than a kid who grew up in Utah, right? Kid who grew up in Hawaii. To them, they see the education aspect. They don't see, uh, man. They don't. They, they don't have the baggage. Let's just say of of the of the past. They don't. They don't carry that around. And what I kind of find kind of fascinating has been Virginia's success out of state. You mentioned it earlier. Like they 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 have a solid start to the to the 2019 class. Certainly not you know blowing the doors off. But it's not like you know they've got a bunch of schmoes in there. I mean it's a it's a it's a it's not like some skeleton crew. I mean, it's a good group of kids, especially the Florida guys. I mean, these are guys I, I think who are talented prospects who, if they're able to hold on and sign, um, you know, really address a lot of needs for them. But ultimately, for a lot of fans, the mo majority of them are in Virginia. They want Virginia to, you know, the UV they want UVA to have those in-state guys. They want them to do well in-state. It makes the most sense, right? You're not going to build your program around kids that 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 don't have a physical, you know, kind of connection to you. Um, and when you have to jump on a plane in order to get to the school, that that does hurt you a little bit. And and I think we've already seen 
you know, instances the past, you know, couple of classes UVA has in terms of, you know, we've, we've watched these kids from far away make decisions and then maybe sometimes regret them. Uh, and then they flip, um, case in point, there was a defensive tackle this past year who, um, who, who, who committed to UVA and then very quickly committed to Miami because he's a Florida kid. It, it, you know, it kind of made sense. Virginia has to, to win on the field first, I believe, in order to sort of get that ball turned around, or at least around here. Um, and they're going to have to do it largely with out-of-state kids. So in a, in a weird sort of dichotomy, right, it's like in order for Virginia to have success in-state, they have to keep having more success out-of-state and win with those kids. And I feel like you're right that sprinkling in these guys from around is probably the best way to do it. And they have done, I think, a, an, an admirable job um, of finding guys in other places that address the needs that they have. Um I want to get to Cam Kelly and and to um, Ben Smiley specifically. Let's start with Cam. He's going to announce his decision um, tomorrow. What time is that? At 10 a.m. Is that is that right tomorrow? 10:30 a.m. Yeah, and it it seems to be the three leaders you're hearing a lot are UVA, Clemson, and Penn State are the three in the forefront. Though he did trim it from 40 plus offers to eight. Um, so going into tomorrow, I'm I'm going to assume that you're going. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to give you a piece of information and I'm going to ask you to react to it. The question I'm going to have for you is what's your gut tell you on how this thing goes. And then my piece of information is, is that I don't think it really matters because this recruitment's going to go until whenever he ultimately signs. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you're feeling about tomorrow. And, and if you think I'm right, that really in a, in a big, in a, in a, from a certain point of view, it sort of doesn't matter because the recruitment's going to keep going. I think he's definitely the type of kid. I, I used the word in the article we wrote up on the site about he's got the talent and the loquaciousness. He loves to talk. He's got an engaging personality. And I think he also enjoys some of the limelight and attention that comes with it. Nothing wrong with that. He's a tremendously bright young man. Um, we've seen him dazzle in the postseason to, I mean, I think his 12 career interceptions, I think nine of them come in the postseason. So the bigger the game, the brighter the lights, the better he plays. And he gets up for that and has a little bit of that swagger and edge to him that I think separates him from a lot of the defensive back or athlete prospects out there. My gut tells me um, we've been here in Penn State all along. This last unofficial put Clemson in a great, or this last visit to put Clemson in a great place, I think. Um, He's pretty tight with a couple of defensive backs from this area, especially Tank Land. Um, from Bishop Sullivan, who uh, recently made his pledge to Maryland, but also Sheridan Jones, who did commit to Clemson, former Bishop Sullivan DB, who's now at Maury High in Norfolk. And I know that there's a real push. Um, Brent Venables, the DC down there at Clemson, has loved him for a long time. He's had a real connection with Clemson. I think UVA will be very much involved and stay in touch and continue to recruit him, um, whether they land him tomorrow or not. But... Um, I, you know, he's he's funny. He's he wears a lot of UVA gear at games, and people make that. He wears, you know, the UVA. Uh, uh, he has like a UVA backpack. I think it is UVA gloves. He wears a lot of that. He did have Clemson gloves a couple weeks back when I watched him in seven on seven. They were doing a seven on seven event at Oscar Smith against Heritage Lynchburg High School, which made the Class Three state championship. Oscar Smith having fallen to Westfield the last three years in the Class Six state championship. A couple of heartbreakers in there too, but um. My gut tells me it'll be Clemson, but I will tell you this, Brad. We've, we've done a lot of these commitment ceremonies, as you know, and you've been to many of them. Generally, when you go in, you have a pretty good feeling of where a kid's going. I have no confidence level above 50% with that. So if he pulls out a hat that says <laughs> Penn State or UVA or even Washington State or Oklahoma, it wouldn't stun me. And I even give Washington State a, a bit a bit of a, 
a plus there too because he went out there. He's got roots to the West Coast, as he talked about in a video interview that was so long my camera was about to die. He just walked off. It was about seven minutes long. That I think he would he could go anywhere, and it wouldn't shock me. Not to say this is good or bad or that this will happen. It wouldn't shock me if his situation is one where he commits and decommits or flips before signing day because I think his recruitment will be very intense until he signs on the dotted line, whether it's UVA, Clemson, Penn State, or somebody else. I, I think my gut tells me it's going to be one of those three. The question of which of those three, I guess, is is going to be the one that sort of carries the day. I also feel like as as we sort of go forward in this, and 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 I'm also curious to get your sort of point of view on this, I think for fans – the idea that kids are, are going to make a decision um, and then, you know, make a and then and then essentially I don't want to say go into um, go into a spot where they know that they're going to, you know, go somewhere else and maybe they're not going to go to the school that they are about to commit to. But certainly in a situation like this where, where fans know, hey, look, there's a really good chance that this kid might not actually go to the school that he commits to tomorrow. And I know that that I mean, look, you've you've worked you know, in, in, with websites and message boards long enough to, to get this the same way I do, which is like, that seems to be backwards, right? Like if you're not, if you're not in a position to really commit, then don't commit. I, I don't think that, um, the, I don't think that recruiting fans will ever understand why a kid would do that. And, and the more I think about Cam and the more I think about sort of where he, um, you know, where he is in the process and where this thing is going, it certainly does seem like to me that no matter what happens tomorrow, all that really does is put a target on one school's back, right? In terms of like, um, in terms of saying to the others, Hey, this is the one you need to be the most worried about. But in a, in a way, I almost wonder given where, how he's taking his visits, I mean, he kind of took this sort of down, um, you know, quiet visit to UVA, took a quiet visit to Clemson. Um, it sounded like for, to me that other schools thought that maybe he had a silent commit in for UVA um, and that maybe Penn State uh, was was kind of excited because of the timing of when he decided to make his announcement. But then he takes these other visits and you're thinking, OK, if he was going to go to Penn State, why would he set up these other visits? And the question might have its own, you know, might there might be an answer in here, which is that maybe he. Uh, he never had uh, a sort of a lean either way. And, and, and I'm like you, I, I think a lot of people will be surprised as to where this thing goes. Um, and I'm curious like you to see, you know, who he decides to commit to tomorrow. Um, let's transition to Ben. Um, I, I feel like that was a, a super unfortunate sort of situation that happened the other week. I, I don't want to get into too much of the particulars other than to just sort of um, kind of catch people up, which is that for about a half an hour less, um, you know, he had publicly committed and, and then basically said that he kind of wanted to um, to take his visits. And, and certainly for Virginia fans who, who look, defensive tackle, position of need. In-state kid, huge, huge need. Um, and honestly, one of the top targets on their board overall in the class. That afternoon was like – a manna from heaven. And then it so quickly got ripped away that it was hard, I think for folks. Um, I, I, I don't know in hindsight if I've ever seen one that was that, I mean, I've seen a lot of strange stuff in recruiting, but I don't know if I've ever seen one that strange. Where would, where would you rank a kid, you know, committing and then decommitting within, you know, a half hour. Or so how would you sort of frame that in your experience? And, and what do you think ultimately happens with Ben as he goes forward and looks at those officials this fall? Well, it happened so quick, Brad, that I'll be honest with you, I was informed about it. I didn't even see it uh, via 
social media or Twitter or wherever it was announced at. Um, I got told by someone in the loop about it. So I, I don't think it was out there long enough or was strong enough that it's going to be really a negative for him. And, you know, with Ben Smiley, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Some feel like he's got serious boom or bust potential. He's going to be great or he's going to be a dud. And I'll be honest with you, I, I lean more with the great than the dud part. I've watched him. Um, he's been not only a disruptive force in the run game, but getting after the quarterback. He had 11 sacks a year ago. Uh, some feel like he plays you know, with his body too high off. I think he gets low, he gets good leverage. I've watched him. I see barring any injury or some kind of setback that's unforeseen at this point, I think he's going to be a terrific player and he's every bit the four-star ranking that he's got. And um, I feel like, you know, when I caught up with him a year ago, we've talked to him twice here, or actually three, three or four times, but twice on camera for video interviews in the past year. First time was uh, June of 2017 at the Michael Vick Playmakers Camp in Virginia Beach. It seemed like Virginia Tech was his dream school. We loved them, but caught up with him recently here in the spring, and it seemed like UVA has definitely passed Tech by. Um, he's very much thrilled with the Alabama offer, so again, you got to beat out a big boy, much like in the case of Cam Kelly with Clemson and Penn State and whoever else. Uh, you got to beat out a, a big-time program and a, a defending national champion, and you know, you wonder, even though it's, it's a different player, different position. Indian River had a player a few years back in Jaquan Yuley who ended up going to Marshall. He made that commitment to Alabama and ended up going to Marshall. You wonder if that has any effect. I don't really think it will, but I do think that there's going to be some selling on that with some other schools in terms of, hey, you're going to Alabama. Can you get on the field here? I think he fits the need and the profile much more for UVA, and I, I think they're in good position um, he's gonna. It sounds like, in speaking with his coach Glenwood Farabee, that he's gonna take his officials and and wait this thing out. But I don't think there's really been any negative um, effect on this for UVA. I think UVA still very much wants him, and I think he still very much loves UVA. And as he gets out and about, I don't know that that's gonna change a whole lot. Um, even though Bama's, you know, in the picture, there's other suitors that are, you know, high profiles and things of that nature. I think UVA is sitting in a good position unless they are to take another commit at his spot, in which case that could really, I think, change things up drastically. Well, I think the thing, too, about about it is, and, and looking back on it, I, I made this comment that afternoon or that early evening and say, listen, I don't think, you know, I, it's never a good thing for when a kid, you know, decommits, but it's certainly, I, I, th- I thought UVA was in a good spot, and, and I got some questions as to why, and I said, listen, when a kid gets himself gets a little bit out in front of himself and then has to publicly basically pull it back, the fact that the coaches took it the way that they did, took it in stride, kept telling him, hey, look, it's okay, like, we're still, we're, we still want you, um, that that I think shows that kid a lot. Like he, you were in a position where that kid, you know, where something could go wrong, um, or excuse me, when when something was bad and and the staff stuck with you. I think that's a good thing. But also too, like you said, it, it does seem like that they're going to have to fend off some um, some really, you know, it, you know, really uh, nice offers at least from from Ben's point of view in order to pull him. I think ultimately that's one that um, even if because Virginia's in such a dire situation on the defensive line, they probably could take three or four this year and he'd still have a chance to start. I don't think that the I don't think schools are in a good spot to to say to a kid, hey, can you see the field for this school? I think they're always better to say, you can go there and be one of a lot of really good players or you can come here and you can be the man. And I think that's you know, that that kind of addressing the need that you have versus like because I've also never thought it was a good thing and and it's backfired on schools when when they would say to kids, Well do you think that you can, you know, that you can stay eligible at UVA? 
Um, when you dare a kid to essentially say what you are, what are you calling the kid stupid? Or are you calling, if you said that to smiley, I, I think that that's almost like questioning whether or not he belongs. Um, but I think a kid like him would respond really well to the message that Vic Soto and, and Mendenhall have given him, which is we need, we need guys like you. You're exactly what I need on this defensive line and you could be a, a program changer for us. And I think that's something that will be interesting to see as this one plays out as to how that sort of resonates with him and, and, and as he moves forward. But Matt, look, man, I really appreciate uh, you giving me a few minutes. I've already kept you longer than I expected. So I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show and giving me a few minutes of your time. Um, I guess, uh, let's see, give me, give the Twitter, uh, give the people your Twitter handle real quick, um, before I let you go. Sure. Absolutely. A pleasure. Look forward to doing it again sometime soon, Brad. I think you can follow me on Twitter at Hatfield sports. That's H A T F I E L D sports and, uh, virginiapreps.com, the place for all your Virginia high school sports fix. We'll have a lot more video interviews and coverage of Cam Kelly's ceremony and many more stories to come here as we wind down the uh, summer which is just starting but as you know brad the summer goes fast and furious it, it does uh you can also check uh, like i said before you can check matt out on um his, his his radio program high school sports talk 10 to 12 on saturdays on 94.1 fm also streamed i believe on on virginia preps as well but matt appreciate the time everybody out there uh thanks for listening to the show as always thanks for supporting the podcast as we move forward 260 episodes with this one uh still kind of blows my mind but uh, for uh, Matt Hatfield, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.